1: Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It's November 14th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios of the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. The Steelers let slip a perfect opportunity not only to stockpile wins in the face of a daunting upcoming schedule, but it failed to take advantage of a Ravens loss that would put the Steelers in first place in the AFC North. But circumstances conspired to thwart those accomplishments with the Steelers lucky to come out with a 16-16 tie with the Detroit Lions.
0: The winless Detroit Lions whose stock is going up right now because they might be winless, but they are no longer losers of every game. So maybe you need to buy their stock and you can buy it at Symbol. That's our new sponsor. S-I-M-B-U-L-L, Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. You can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Sign up at Symbol now. Use that promo code SD, like sports drink, and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. Spotify Room, everybody, it's a live audio-only sports talk platform where you can talk to psychos, athletes, fans, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversations that you listen to here every day. I don't know about you guys, but I pretty much have football streaming into my eardrums 24 hours a day when I'm not in a conversation with another person and also at times when I am in a conversation with other people. Sometimes I'm just putting on the old automated response message because I'm more interested in talking about Cam Newton's return to Carolina and uh, and other such things, but really more Steeler-related things, if I'm being honest with you. Spotify Greenroom is a great place for you to have these conversations with some like-minded people. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Dad, that game moved football back 78 years. I am actually, here's where I'm at with this game. There's so many angles to take. On one hand, we do have to talk about the Detroit Lions. Are they going to go down in history with the other Detroit Lions, and the Cleveland Browns, of course, losers, who had winless seasons? Or do they get a separate category because they had the tie? You know, they weren't beaten in every game? We'll talk about that. But here's what I the first thing I want to say about this game, Dad, because we're recording this right after the game. Okay? Which is rare for us. That game was so bad. I was saying this is legitimately the worst game I've ever seen in over 20 years of watching the NFL. I thought back to Ben Roethlisberger's second start where they won like 9-6 to six in the monsoon in Miami. But I thought, well, even that, you know, there's just the, the visual element of the crazy weather. This game was handed to the other team repeatedly, so much so that it no longer became the worst game I've ever seen. Have you heard of the movie The Room before? James Franco just did like a farce documentary on it a couple years ago called The Disaster Artist. The Room is referred to as the best worst movie ever. It's so unwatchably bad that it actually is funny and fun to watch. James Franco, in a very meta way, with Seth Rogen, I think was on there, of course, they made a movie about the making of the movie, but it was like an action. It's not a documentary; it's actual, you know, sort of fictionalized, or whatever. This lion Steelers tie was the room. It got so bad to me; I thought it was funny. How do you feel right now, stepping out of that utter and complete waste of time that we are still spending time on right now?
1: Nick and I spend the entire game on just a, just a regular cell phone line. We can, there's too much technology to try to bring in video, so but we are in audio contact. And I have to say, we had to wake each other up several times. It was a la the exhibition season.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it was, uh, it was like watching the, the guys fighting for their lives in that final preseason game. So if we do want to get organized and, and talk about this game strategically, talk about what it means for the Steelers going forward, if there's any point in that, uh, here's what I think, just broadly speaking, globally speaking, if you, if you will. Number one, this is the same Steelers team we've seen over the past two years. They've had spurts of being better and spurts of being worse. A lot of those occurring last year during the 11-0 start in the 0 and the 0-6 or whatever, you know, 1-6 uh, finish. It's the same Steelers team. They are trying to move out of the Ben Roethlisberger era. You are seeing how much a superstar quarterback carried that team. Granted, they did have an amazing offensive line and a couple uh, transcendent skill Position players that also helped them out, right? But before that, they didn't they didn't have that either. They had an aging defense and they had Ben, right? So that's what we're seeing right now, is aging out of the Hall of Fame quarterback years. You saw the Green Bed Packers go through it last week when Aaron Rodgers couldn't play. The difference in this game, sincerely, whether people want to hear it or not, is the Steelers were missing their starting quarterback. Uh, arguably their number one receiver in Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, Deontay's the number one or whatever, but a star Pro Bowl receiver. Another star young receiver in Chase Claypool. Their starting left guard went down in the first quarter. Their starting right guard also went down sometime in the first half. Their superstar defensive MVP, one of them, T.J. Watt, goes down during this game. Their two starting interior defensive linemen, Alo and Tuit granted they haven't really had them the entire year but you build the team assuming that you have those guys the money is allocated to those guys quite a bit of money actually when you're talking about to it so you're missing those guys as well and then your number one corner goes down in the first half as well joe hayden so was that quarterback guard guard receiver receiver d tackle d tackle dn corner that's nine starters are out everybody has injuries But the Steelers are not the type of team this year to be able to overcome those type of injuries. So to me, if you had half of those guys still on the field, you probably would have squeaked away with a very close win, which is what we predicted last week because, look, the Bears aren't much better than the Lions. The Steelers are going to be close with any team they play, and to me, it really came down to that, Dad, was – We're watching the same team we've seen before. The offensive line isn't going to bully anybody. It's basically, with all those other guys out, it's going to be up to Cam Hayward, Najee Harris, and Chris Boswell to win the game. And they all did a good job.
1: I think it's worth, you may assume that people know this, but your aunt, Aunt Jane, just texted me. She's on her way back to Pittsburgh to see Grandma. And she wanted to know why Ben isn't playing. I think well, that was such late-breaking news. Maybe there's right. some, yeah, some people might not realize what happened, Late, last-minute scratch.
0: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, probably by the time you listen to this, you guys would have heard, but, uh, yeah, it was very late. It was, like, um, late night on Saturday night when we all got the news. I was getting texts uh, in the middle of the night. We were playing a gig, and um, that that makes a big difference. And we said before the game, I actually wouldn't be overly concerned if Claypool were playing because at that point, I don't think – or I was saying before the game, I don't think the drop from Ben to Mason is is astronomical at this point, right? We know what Mason is. We'll talk about Mason in a minute here. He's the same guy he's always been. But if he has Claypool and Deontay to work with along with Najee, he has shown the ability – to throw, get a couple downfield passes uh, to those guys within the games. Now, he's not going to have the smarts that Ben has, and he's going to have the boneheaded plays that Ben makes, Mason will make as well. So it really is kind of pick your poison. You'd take Ben for the clutch gene probably, and just, you know, the the arm talent is still better. But I didn't think if they had Claypool, if they had some weapons, that you'd see a giant drop off because it's not going to take that much to beat the Lions. But – Without Ben, yeah, you do assume that if Ben were in there, they might have had a better shot at winning, even though it's not the the obvious. Of course, if Ben plays, they're going to win, that we would have said two, three years ago.
1: Yeah, I said there were events conspired against the Steelers, as you pointed out, all those injuries. I just, you know, just trying to fill in a blank there. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure.
1: Look the The really disconcerting thing is the Steelers this was their last best chance to get another win It was you know, and people were talking about it as a sure win, and we know there's no such thing no the um the really disconcerting thing is I was starting to say is that run defense i mean you're you, the, the the loss of uh, alu alu and to it, which is where I attribute this, plus the fact that Bush is just—Devin Bush is just not the guy we, we thought we were getting. Correct. Right. And, and there I totally was a agree great with your tweet assessment there. The, the, there was a great tweet saying, even if we had gotten him in the fifth round, he would have still been a disappointment. But the All fact that, that he is a first-rounder— yeah, A well, trade-up.
0: A trade-up. Huh? A trade-up yeah. first-rounder. A top-ten pick— that, that's crazy. The Steelers rarely miss in the first round. The only times they've missed is when they've taken experimental players who are universally regarded as third-round type guys, Edmonds, Artie Burns, you know, uh, Bud Dupree was a project who seemed to be a bust at first, and then he turned out to be really good. Jarvis Jones, they took him because the Steelers draft for need. When they needed interceptions, they got a guy in Gerard Hallman who made a lot of interceptions. Dude didn't even make the team. They needed more sacks. They took a guy in Jarvis Jones who had a lot of sacks in college. But his his measurables and everything like that insinuated this isn't a top-tier guy. So, yeah, the Bush thing is, is disappointing because he's okay. But to get a guy in the top ten for the Steelers, that, that doesn't work well. And I – agree with you, look, you lost two-thirds of your interior defensive line. I mean, those guys are star players, so you know they make a massive difference. But like I was saying before, that's how you build your team. I mean, you don't have Javon Hargrave because of toit right? Or because of Cam. Pick which one. Like – that's how you assume your team's going to work. When you're losing that guy for a whole year, everybody loses people. And guess what? Yeah, you suffer from those people, you lose. So this isn't the first time the Steelers got run over. And I guess we agreed that'll be our first big theme of the game. Like, that's the alarming thing. You have to, unfortunately, you, the next man up thing, that's not real. You know, that's a thing that you say in the trenches because that's football. You do have to deal with this. But it doesn't mean that unit will perform as well as it did before, unless you luck out with a James Harrison or Tom Brady situation, right? It's more the, like, the rest of the team has to step up and you just have to keep that area from becoming a disaster. And the run defense, it it doesn't have to do with the offense, Dad, right? You pointed this out. Like, people want to say, oh, the offense isn't getting off the field. At one point... I think our buddy Derek at derek the kid on Twitter pointed out to somebody who said, oh, well, the offense isn't driving the ball. Time of possession was 19 minutes to 11 minutes for the Steelers at that point. And you pointed out, too, they were getting run over in the second quarter, right, when you said this is way too early for the defense to have exhaustion as an excuse.
1: Yeah, and explain to me how the Lions only had 10 yards rushing in the fourth quarter. Like what? what adjust, if we can make an adjustment in the fourth quarter, why don't we make that in the third quarter? Let's see, clock management, this goes back to clock management.
0: Well, it's too broad for us to speak about that stuff without actually looking at the tape and seeing what the strategy was. I mean, there's definitely something to be said for, OK, they've done it once or twice. Let's see if they can do it a number of times. Let's you know, make these micro adjustments before you actually make a change like that. And, and to their credit, you're right. They did batten down the hatches really well.
1: Okay, we want to talk about the quarterbacks a little bit. And before the game, you were giving me background on Jared Goff. I had asked whether he had had any shining moment. You you said that that was not the case and uh I guess Detroit unloaded and well, Detroit unloaded the one good asset it
0: had. <laughs> Yeah, they, t- they, they, they just took Jared Goff on so that they could tell their fan base that they have a starting quarterback. It wasn't that, oh, we're going to trade Matthew Stafford, a Hall of Fame talent. For any of you guys listening out there who say Matt Stafford isn't a Hall of Fame talent, I don't want to be a dick, but how many Lions games have you watched? And be honest with me, because the guy's unreal. And you see, before he got there, they went 0-17 or 0-16 to get him. He's leaving, and the instant he leaves... They're about to go 0 16 again, but 0 16 and 1, right? How about that if we want to talk win loss records? The D- Detroit hasn't won a playoff game since the 50s, since the 50s, okay? Stafford's incredible They didn't just think Okay well he's gotta go they, they did it as a salary cap thing And to get two first round picks For a veteran quarterback While they just totally Blow this thing up And rebuild it Yeah I've been banging On the table Since Jared Goff was drafted He is one of those quarterbacks Who got pushed up Into the number one pick Because there just Wasn't one that year Because Carson Wentz Was from North Dakota State and that was very odd. That's even smaller school than Ben or Joe Flacco who went to Miami of Ohio and Delaware because it's one double A when you're talking about North Dakota State. So Jared Goff has always been this guy. He's very tall and lanky. He's very awkward. His delivery is long and, and not efficient. On top of that, the only thing that he does on a first round level is occasionally he can throw the ball hard, which I said is... Mason Rudolph's biggest problem is Mason doesn't even have the ability to throw it hard. That's the only thing you could confuse Jared Goff for a first-round quarterback. Everything else, mobility, terrible, accuracy, terrible, deep ball, terrible. He played for one of the greatest runs of offensive coordinators we've seen with McVay's early runs. So the guy sucks, and we saw how badly he sucks. He had 11 passing yards at halftime. And I mean, how many times when you see the guy throw the ball 20 yards downfield— I feel bad for yelling at you guys. I'm sorry. It's not you guys about, the, about not watching Matt Stafford play. I'm saying you guys, you know, like I'm assuming the people who would vehemently want to argue against that are, are arguing right now. No, we're here to talk Steelers. So I apologize. That's on me. I'm in a little bit of a mood after that Steelers game. Let's go back to Jared Goff. Even when he throws the ball 20 yards, it's end over end. Pat McAfee. Had a couple beers at Tequila Cowboy, true story, this week with Chris Boswell. After Chris Boswell's historic fourth quarter to beat the Bears last week. 52-yarder, 56-yarder, 40-yard game winner, fumble recovery. McAfee asks him, how do you kick such a clean ball every time? And a clean ball when you're a kicker means it, it goes end over end. And Chris Boswell responded, shoot, I don't know. And McAfee said... That's probably what makes him a great kicker. Well, Jared Goff's passes are end-over-end the same way that Chris Boswell's kicks are. You can see it when he's throwing it 20 yards down the field. How many interceptions did the Steelers drop today? We can't keep calling them an elite defense. They have elite capability, but that defense is... Is gone right now, and it's not just because of the offense. You got to think some of the losses in the off season were bigger than we anticipated, and then obviously some of the injuries. But I guess that's the second thing I want to say: to not be able to take advantage of the uh, the Jared Goff factor, who did end up with, I believe, 114 yards passing, but he was still around like 50 in the fourth quarter. In overtime, he wasn't even at 100 yet. And to not be able to take advantage of that is frustrating. There were a few dropped interceptions. There seemed to be a ticky-tack defensive holding call on Devin Bush when when Minka Fitzpatrick had a beautiful interception, would have been his first interception of the season, and it would would have been a very fitting interception. Seems like these Steelers players, TJ, Cam, Minka, they don't just make big plays. Their big plays always come in the biggest moments. So it was such a bummer to see that get interceptions taken away. I didn't see how bad the call was or wasn't. And then there's the obvious caveat that hey, the Steelers deserve a few bad calls after getting bailed out last week against the Bears. That's what we said. You'll get some, But yeah, not being able to take advantage of Jared Goff and how truly bad he proved to be in the rain at Hines Heinz Field was a big issue for me, Dad.
1: I just want to focus in on the refs. The reason I'm angry with the refs is that every flag they threw elongated that game and forced us to continue to watch it. I also have another theory. Who do you think in Detroit is in trouble for tying that game? Because I think they told Santoso, miss it. Miss the extra point. (laughs) Miss the field goal. We do not need this win. We are trying to Brown this season.
0: We can't risk the Texans catching up to us in losses or something you're saying, right? Like, we need to make sure that we get this done. We don't know who the number one pick is. We might just get Thibodeau or somebody. Yeah, I think, I think you might have a point there, even though it comes at the cost of poor Dan Campbell's soul.
1: You know who may be coming to Detroit's way? Kenny Pickett.
0: Yeah, Kenny Pickett. Well, I mean, I, I, look, so pumped that Pitt has a good quarterback. We all said it about Washington, the Washington football team, with the kicker named Blewett. You draft the quarterback with the name Pickett. That is on you. That is on you. you I, can, I could not be comfortable with that. Similarly to how back in the 2000s, the Chargers drafted a cornerback named Quentin Jammer. It's a great pick. He's going to jam people. Conversely, this Steelers draft, Artie Burns... It's easy to burn him burns him. Yeah, Yeah, it it was just frustrating because like I said, the the talent on the field for the Lions is not good on paper but then they showed themselves to be bad and they gave the Steelers countless opportunities and the defense is supposed to capitalize on those opportunities and the Steelers defense has not done that. They barely have any turnovers and they had the ball in their hands so many times today. I know it was rainy and everything like that but you're you're supposed to be a top five defense and they, they have not really been that this year so that was the other disappointing thing about this game for me but that's who they've been. This this is the part of the season where a few teams go one of two ways. You know, they can break up and or they, can, they can burst out and, and go on a run or they can fall apart. The Steelers for about six, seven years in a row were always the burst out and go on a run. Six and two, seven and one, eight and oh, six and two, seven and one, year after year. In the past three years, we've seen the Steelers have been the team that has fallen apart. They're far below 500 in the second half of the season. So I think that where the Steelers are at right now, uh, if, they can get, if they're hurt, then they, they might bottom out. But overall, I just think, it, yeah, it's the same team that we've seen the entire time. There were some small steps forward, I think, by the offensive line again, though, which has been the one thing we've been trying to keep our eye on.
1: Speaking of it's what we've seen along, can we just turn our attention to Mason momentarily because I was trying to make a point when sure. we were pulling together the, the itinerary for this podcast, and it's not that we learned something about Mason. It's just that I think some people need to relearn what Mason is. He's a backup quarterback. Much better coming into a game. He managed a little he managed some games um, when when Ben was out for that year, but what Mason brings you are lollipop passes. They're not on target, but he has composure in the pocket and he had a couple nice runs. That's a that's a, a nice good runs. backup quarterback. <laughs>
0: that's what he brings you. Because but, yeah. they do not game plan for Mason running. Which, you know, that's a testament to Canada. I'm sure those were designed runs. That being said, what, I mean, he's, I like what you, like, he has confidence in the pocket. He doesn't have like awareness in the pocket. He has no idea what's going on in there. That's one of his biggest problems, but that is. The but he good- didn't get,
1: I mean, he didn't, I'm checking to see, did he get sacked?
0: I mean, you can look at the numbers. That, like, we've seen the guy for three, four years now. Like, that's one of his biggest issues is not being aware of people around him. He had time today. No, what I'm trying cool. to say is that overall, the good thing about Mason Rudolph is that he's aggressive. And there is something to be said for that. If you have a great team where you can just you know, have Charlie Batch and you can be conservative or you could have Landry Jones when you had so many star players around you and just be like, please, just throw the ball two yards to A.B. and we'll just take our shot with that. That's one thing. But the Steelers need somebody to go for something. And that is Mason's best ability is just his aggressiveness. He has no awareness in the pocket. He has no zip on his ball. And he is not a good deep ball thrower. The only good thing about his deep ball is he doesn't overthrow it. He underthrows it, and it gives you a chance for pass interference or maybe – um, a great combative catch, but your problem when you play for the Steelers right now is you're not going to get any combative catches out of these receivers who were absolutely miserable today on those situations. Oh,
1: my gosh. Can we can we segue to that? I know we were, we were saving this, but let's acknowledge the, the problem that weather presented. I mean, it was just this – it looked like a soaking, constant rain. So, yeah, everything was wet regardless of uh, the gloves you're wearing, but the drops – And Friar drop was insane. I mean, compared to what we've seen, small sample size, but this is the guy who never drops a ball.
0: Yeah, he dropped and then he fumbled the game away. It was reminiscent of Juju, you know, when he fumbled the game away against the Ravens. And then the worst one when he fumbled it away against the Saints, which for some reason that game keeps coming up on the podcast. or I don't know if it comes up as much as I'm bringing it up, but that was sort of a natural transition there. Yeah, we didn't even lead the podcast off with the Friar fumble to lose the game on a pointless one-yard throw with 15 seconds left. Like, what? Boswell's been murdering the ball from every distance. Why are you going to risk the ball in the air or not be – like, even if he didn't fumble, Dad, he wasn't going to go down and bounce. Like, they might have not even gotten the ball spiked. I mean, that is just dumb coaching. And I got to be honest, some people were trying to put this loss on – On Tomlin, I saw that, that, which is absurd. Are are you kidding? Deontay Johnson, the number one receiver, took a twenty-yard pass on the sideline and ran it, you know, thirty more yards to get into field goal range for the final play, and then and he fumbles it. And then the very next possession, you send the ball to your brand new. Toy, you know, the favorite son in Pittsburgh, and he fumbles it with nobody around him. That's not Mike Tomlin. Those are the players. But Mike Tomlin mismanaging those situations Reminds me of the Jesse James caught it game against the Patriots when Jesse James did catch it and they won the game. But hey, the NFL screwed them. They had to go back on the field. They threw one play, it was to the sideline to Darius Hayward Bay. He got stopped in bounds, and the Steelers literally did not have a second play called. So Ben, excuse me, called the fake spike and then threw the interception to Eli Rogers in the end zone against the Patriots. So even the fact that they threw that to to Fryermuth is inexcusable. But if we go back to what we were talking about, just putting a bow on, on Rudolph, and then you're right, segueing to the receivers just briefly here as we've basically talked to them about them already. I mean, Mason Rudolph had seven throws or so down the sideline. All of them were under throws by five yards at the best. Like, the best, it was a five-yard under throw. So he's not even giving them a chance. And then on top of that, Deontay regressed to 2020, Deontay, where it's like, you made some good plays, But he had some drops where he was contested and highly covered. But if we want you to be a number one receiver, we're not even saying AB. Like, Juju catches those balls in contested situations. Juju Smith-Schuster catches those balls. You have to catch those. Those are how Antonio Brown would repeatedly get to 100 yards. It wasn't all just 50-yard slants and go routes. It's all those 10-yarders on the sideline when people are next to you. So he didn't do him any favors, but Rudolph – Airmailed mailed way too many passes. He threw the interception that was, you know, four feet behind Kalen Bellage, uh, threw it to the other team that way. But like I said, you have to factor that in. Rudolph will throw one of those passes every single time he plays a game. And just to sum up what I'm saying here, uh, you're right about the rain. Like, I know the Steelers, Steelers fans don't want to hear excuses or anything like that. But the rain and the injuries play a big factor. Both teams are playing in the rain, but we are talking about some plays, such as drops, that are directly affected by rain. And another reason why Mason can't be a starting quarterback, not that anybody's asking for that, and I was going to ask you, I don't know if you're saying people need to rearrange their thoughts on Mason. I mean, to me, it seems like he's public enemy number one. Like, no one wants to see him in there. But I thought that next year he was leader in the clubhouse to be the starting quarterback unless the Steelers got a miracle to get Rodgers or, or Russell Wilson or something like that. I think he did major damage to those chances today.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Now, I don't think there is a hue and cry from Pittsburgh to bring Mason in to replace Ben. I think there is a minority of people who just want to change when Ben has a bad game. That's all I was oh, referring That's a great to. point.
0: Yeah, that's what you said. Like when you, if you think Ben's getting really bad, is it really like, do you want to put Mason in there? You know what's incredibly hard to do is – Throwing the football in the rain, then throwing the Duke, the giant and massive football that the NFL uses in the rain is near impossible. The hand size thing that people always talk about hand size is so stupid. It is definitely not stupid. Look at the size of the hands of Aaron Rodgers and Ben and Russell Wilson. They have massive hands. Look at the size of Daniel Jones and Derek Carr and the fumblers. They have small hands. Like it, it's an actual thing. Mason Rudolph. His accuracy suffers too much when he's in the rain. You see, Ben, we took it for granted for so many years. Like, oh, this guy doesn't – I mean, it's not going to be 300 yards every time, but he's going to be better than the other quarterback that's throwing in the rain. That's just God-given stuff.
1: I just want to wrap up some of my observations, our observations. We talked about Mason. We talked about the sloppiness, especially from the receivers. And we also pointed out, I mean, acknowledging that weather probably was a factor – there were th- these guys aren't going to be number one anything if they can't make some of those catches that they were. I mean, I'm not – like, I was yeah. very critical of Mason for not being accurate, but many of those balls were on receivers' hands, and they should have been pulled in. A.B. would have caught them, for instance. Juju would have caught them, as you pointed out. Yeah, the I said other Juju thing-
0: especially, too, because, like, A.B. like I'm not going to compare them to maybe the best receiver we've ever seen, right? But, sure. by the way, you just got my wheels turning. Real receiver – like, we think we're set at receiver, right? Even though – because you, you got two great guys – You're going to need a third, but we know that Deontay and Chase are unreliable to an extent. Maybe that's why Mike Tomlin contacted Odell Beckham Jr. this week is because the Steelers, I mean, clearly Deontay and Claypool, their potential is awesome, but just even having the reliability of Juju when he was in there, it's not that. Even Martavis, he was like unreliable in the game, like. You could rely on him to drop one, but you could also rely on him to score the touchdowns. He reliably made big plays, even though he had drops. These guys, they kind of go up and down, and it's not fair to compare them to the, the the amazing situation Martavis had with where the team was. But yeah, I agree with you. In order to be number ones, you need to see a little bit more from that.
1: And just to punctuate reliability, we were talking about the run defense. At one point in the third quarter, the Steelers were giving up nine and a half yards a carry. By the end of the game, they were down to 5.9. Not stellar, oh, but man. that drop in average yards per yeah, carry yeah. was massive because, as I pointed out, they had 10 yards rushing in the fourth quarter I didn't even add up, tally the overtime. But surprisingly, the Lions were, running, were, were throwing the ball a lot more in the fourth quarter. For some reason, they got confidence in their passing game. But, I think
0: they got a little cute, honestly. I think that that's just a team who is not used to winning, doesn't know how to win, and they they freaked out a little bit. If I were them, I would have kept running the ball. They ran on play action on on a few first downs, I, I believe, in the end there. And I was saying, man, they, they're getting a little bit cute. So luckily, you know, that helped out the Steelers.
1: All right, so let's start. Let's let's end the drumbeat of negativity, but we cannot let go unmentioned special teams coverage and Ray Ray's inconsistencies.
0: Now, let's clear Ray Ray's name on the play near the goal line, right? This rule has come up a couple times recently, but you did a good job looking it up and and confirming it during the game. Ray Ray touched a ball at the one-yard line that everyone thought was an automatic touchdown for the Detroit Lions. But here's the rule. The Lions were punting. If the Lions touch the ball in any way, um, then the Steelers no longer are liable Um, for for a turnover at that point. So basically, like, if you're the punting team, you have to control the ball for it to be, quote-unquote, downed. That's why, like on this play, when the punter punts it and it bounces and it's going into the end zone and a Lions player jumps up with his feet off the ground, doesn't touch the end zone, and taps the ball back in, that's why he's allowed to smack that ball to a different area so his other teammate can hold it. But the second that Lions player makes contact with the ball – De, or not Deontay, Ray-Ray McLeod is allowed to touch the ball, and it's, it doesn't mean that the other team can get it. So Ray-Ray was actually trying to bat the ball back into the end zone that way, which is legal. The only way this the Lions could get the ball back in that case is if Ray-Ray actually picked it up, possessed it with both hands, started running, and then they forced a the fumble, which would just be, oh, the Steelers actually have possession at that point. So clearing Ray-Ray's name there. But he did have the muff at the end of the game. That was absolutely terrifying. You pointed out it's during the rain. Uh, good point. But, uh, you know, Antoine randall L. Try, I'm trying not to compare everybody to A.B. It was such a luxury, right? You're like, A.B. wouldn't have fumbled it at that point. Like, okay, okay, stop. Hank Poteet wouldn't have, wouldn't have bobbled, bobbled it like that. Bad timing. He had his best game ever as a receiver. I mean, granted, nobody covered him at any point. He did make that catch and get absolutely popped one time and held on to that. I was happy for him because I like him. But he is turning into Ray Ray McSwitzer. I mean, him and Sw- he and Switzer have the exact same career. They get added at the last second before the season starts or right when the season starts their first year, and they kill it on the return game. Uh, not at, I, I don't even remember if Ray Ray had a touchdown. He might have had one. I know Deontay had a touchdown, but they weren't touchdown guys, but constant 15-yard returns. Ray Ray had some 50-yarders, big returns, and then now this year, the punt return thing, he's had a couple nice 10-yarders where he's been smart, but he's not made good decisions with the ball, especially around the end zone. He has fumbled. He almost handed the Chicago Bears the game last week, right? And then when you try and put him in on offense, he's a quick guy, but he's not a fast guy. So he really can't get away from anybody. He's the two-yard specialist. So it was nice to see him uncovered making a bunch of catches downfield. But, yeah, had some punt return issues. And then the the there were a couple nice kick returns. And then, of course, there's the giant return on the punt that happens. And that was like a 7 1,000-yard punt by Presley Harvin. I do question that, though. He was backed up in his own end zone. You have to make the decision there. The special teams coach makes the decision there. So how much of that's Percy or Presley and how much of that is Danny Smith? But do you want to just boot it as far as you can but realize your guys will not have time to get down there, so the guy's going to be able to return it, or do you want to sacrifice 10 yards or so and punt it higher so that your guys can get around it? I don't know. All I know is that Derek Watt did an unbelievable job of chasing the guy down, and he also had another amazing special teams tackle. He finally looked like Rosie Nix this game. And then Presley Harvin finished him off with a chokeslam. Right. So the special teams, you know, Mason giving the, the, the Lions the ball at the fifty yard line. Um the special teams unit giving them the ball past the fifty yard line, those are the ways that you lose to bad teams. Um just luckily the, the Lions were in the losing mood as well today.
1: That uh okay, that that completes the depression. Yeah. Any bright <laughs> spots?
0: Well, there are some bright spots, but I will say this. We buried one of the leads is We need to do some prayer circles for T.J. Watt, right? So that was scary when he went down, grimacing, yelling, holding his knee after a sack. Hey, hey, he did get the sack. sack Streak stays alive. It seems like every time, every game he plays, he's had a sack. Right? He was on pace for twenty-five sacks this year. He's he's kept it going. That being said, very scary to see him injured. He walked off the field. That's a slightly positive sign, but we have seen people walk off the field with torn ACLs before. I don't know if Cam ever did that, but I, I know the Steelers have done that before. Uh, walking off the field doesn't mean much. I guess Melanie Freelander, the doctor, a Steelers fan doctor on uh, Twitter, said ACLs can be diagnosed on the sideline just physically, so it's probably not going to be an ACL. I saw him get ruled out with the hip, which is weird because he was holding his knee. But obviously that's the worst thing that could happen for the Steelers is if, if Cam or or TJ goes down. He was, he seemed fine on the sideline. Like he was there, good spirits, talking to his teammates the whole time. Uh, Like I said, we can't judge the result from that, but it is a good sign instead of him just being carted off and being out of there. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Have to keep an eye on Kevin Dotson, Trey Turner, Ben Roethlisberger having COVID, Chase Claypool having a toe injury that's considered week-to-week. Week. Those are very lingering injuries. Um, Joe Hayden, I'm not sure what his injury is, but you got to watch out for him. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we dodged a bullet, and maybe that's a positive. Hopefully the positive is we dodged a bullet with TJ Watt's injury. But the other positives are this. We said it before. Boswell's unbelievable. Najee Harris is incredible. And Cam Hayward Is the entire defense, even though Alex Highsmith kind of stepped it up later in the game. But he's kind of at a Bud Dupree point right now for me. Like, I thought he'd have a lot more nice pass rush moves to get sacks this year in the regular season. And he still has plenty of time. If you go by the T.J. Watt growth plan, which is kind of like judge him by every half season, right? So we're done with half the season now. We'll see what Highsmith does in the end of the game. Most of his plays were those early Bud Dupree hustle. Like, I'm going to run after the guy and I'm going to tackle him. I'm not necessarily going to hit a rip move and get past my guy and sack the quarterback. So he was positive. There's nothing left to say about Cam Hayward. He's a Hall of Famer. And uh, Najee Harris, when you think about the first-round running back argument, people misconstrue it all the time. It's not to say that you can get running backs who are just as good in the third round when you point out Alvin Kamara. For every Alvin Kamara, there's a Benny Snell, Kalen Bellage, Jalen Samuels, Chris Rainey, Dree Archer. The list goes on, right? Those you, But the thought is that your your running backs get to benefit from offensive lines and – passing games so that you can plug in a running back who is not as good and you'll still get a ton of production where you can't do that with a position like wide receiver where they are out on an island and they have to play one-on-one, right? So going back to Najee, this is clearly a first-round running back. The difference between last year's run game and this year's running game, yes, there's a little bit more of a commitment to it, which I think helps. It's just Najee Harris, right, Dad? I mean, he breaks five tackles on every freaking play. Not the fastest guy in the world, but he is going to break your tackle. And I think, did he get over 100 yards for the day? I know he was at 99 at one point, so that's nice to see, but it's just the most workman-like effort from him every week. He's unbelievable. The only reason why the Steelers have a running game is solely due to the running back. So that shows you what those first-round talent running backs can do. Now, to put a bow on that, the argument isn't about the first year. The argument is about, how much draft stock are you going to put into a position where they get injured, they miss a lot of time, and then what are they like after the fifth year? Rather than you look at other first-round draft picks like a defensive tackle, defensive end, Cam Hayward. He's, what, his 11th year or whatever, and the guy's still playing. So that's the argument there. But there clearly is no arguing the level of effectiveness and talent as a runner because Najee is crazy.
1: He did shatter. 100-yard mark, you got 105. And speaking of draft stock, with this amalgam amalgam of positive and negative news, where do you think the Steelers' stock is today?
0: Oh, man, you might want to sell that Steelers' stock, but maybe they'll be motivated to go back up after this Lions tie. And you can sell that stock or buy it on Symbol. That's our new sponsor, everybody. S-I-M-B-U-L-L. It is... The Leonardo DiCaprio of sports apps. And what I mean there is the wolf of Wall Street. And by the wolf of Wall Street, I mean the wolf of the gridiron. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. You can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you win cash. Over 7,000 early adopters have hopped on and started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit com to create a free account. And when you deposit, use that promo code SD, like sports drink, and your first deposit will be risk-free, which means they'll refund your initial deposit. No questions asked, even if you lose money. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite sports teams.
1: Nick is a dad who was in sort of finance and accounting. I haven't been able to pass much professional advice on to you in the music business, but let me give you this little tidbit: Steelers are a buy when the stock drops. We buy, so yeah. get out there, people. Yeah, let's pump love. this. Let's pump this up.
0: Yeah, you, you guys are going to want to ask Papa Tom for those things. I just love saying buy and sell, and I really like it when you just alternate them. So I'm just kind of a swing. You know, I'm an art guy. We we just we swing from the hip. We can talk about that, you know, in more detail, maybe on Spotify Greenroom, which is a live audio-only sports talk platform where you can talk to fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. You listen to podcasts all day like me? Well, guess what? You can participate. Get in on those conversations and share your own experiences and your takes on the app. You might get a chance to be featured on some of your favorite podcasts. Download the Spotify Greenroom app for free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group.
1: All right, unfortunately, we are playing next week and we are playing another midnight game. It is an 8:20 Eastern game against the LA Chargers in LA. What are they doing right now? Let me look up there. Well, so they come into this game at 5 and 3.
0: I do think that that's going to be a a good test for the Steelers with the with a downfield passing game that they really haven't had to deal with. Now, obviously everybody knows about Justin Herbert, the killer quarterback for the Chargers. He went on a little bit of a slump and then he has recovered recently, but they don't have like – their receivers are big, slow, and good. Mike Williams and, and, and Keenan Allen are, are pretty awesome. Obviously, Keenan Allen, one of the premier route runners of this generation and one of the more underrated guys, but they're not like burners that way. So um, they're not going to be – the Steelers won't be hurting for speed that way, but, I mean, those guys are on another level of playmaking – Especially if you don't have Joe Hayden, uh, who who is really the only corner who is down to play the ball, except for maybe Trey Norwood, who's made another nice little play, should have caught that interception. But that being said, it'll be an interesting uh, challenge for the Steelers from that front. And also the Chargers can't stop the run for anything. So that would actually be a favorable matchup. You said it's going to be in L.A. Listen, there is, there is no t- – it should be a pretty – I think that that will be a pretty even game too depending on how many people the Steelers get back, particularly on the offensive line. And TJ. Of course, if TJ is not there, you're in trouble because he's going to have all day to throw the ball.
1: So hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at Steelers Outpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.
0: Okay, bye-bye.